0: This generation has been causing us to tear out our hair.
1: But I am a millennial.
0: Every fucking time one of them does
1: the slightest little thing, they fucking celebrate as if they fucking accomplished something huge.
0: I'm a millennial. I'm a a, a millennial. So I want everything to evolve around me.
1: Self-interested? Unfocused? Lazy?
0: Millennials.
1: The most educated generation we've
0: ever had. Millennials put a lot of value in development.
1: Leaders are asking, what do you want? Should we have beer in the podcast?
0: If anyone wants to sponsor us with beer, we're open to all sponsorships at the moment. We reached out to Kinder Surprise two episodes ago. (laughs) Last episode was something, if any beer company wants to sponsor us, we're totally up for it, guys, Just, just so you know we're up for it yeah because at the moment we're drinking water and this is after work hours it's like nine o'clock p.m
1: we're sitting here at the the office that i work at yeah we just said hi to the cleaning guy
0: (laughs) we actually had to postpone recording because there was a vacuum cleaner going back and forth maybe it's coming back so if it's coming back you know where the what's the source we're just being transparent here
1: we're just cleaning shit You are listening to um, the podcast Millennials at Work.
0: Yes, hello there. It's the third episode. Exactly. How far have we gone?
1: This is a podcast about millennials at work.
0: Millennials outside work, but thinking about work. Exactly. And their bosses. Yeah. And everyone who is connected to a millennial.
1: Being a young professional, what yep. that entails. Hmm? What do you want from our organizations? What do we want from our bosses?
0: It's a source where you can learn a lot of things about how we think that we think. That was a great description. Yeah, We speak for some of us. We understand we maybe don't speak for everyone. Well, let's be fair. But we speak for some of us, maybe for quite a big chunk of people. So we take that. At us. least we try to. We try to, at least for us too. How are you? I'm great. Yeah?
1: I am um, still very excited about this project that you and I are doing.
0: That's good that you're still excited. Yeah? As you can hear from my voice, I'm still super (laughs) excited. And it's true. I am.
1: And then I'm excited about today's topic.
0: Yes. It's this, uh, I have a feeling that this is very close to our hearts.
1: Very close.
0: Today's topic is driving change in organizations. Exactly. Driving change. Sounds so powerful.
1: Sounds so Hyper Island.
0: Oof! Hyper Island, for those who don't know, again, is a creative business school. Located in Stockholm and other locations. And we went there, we met there, and we were educated there.
1: And that's all about leading change. Yeah. I would say so.
0: Yeah, they talk a lot about that. But today we will talk about that as well. Should we check in?
1: Let's check in.
0: Do you have a question?
1: I do have a question. (laughs) So today's check-in question is, if you were the CEO of an organization, what would be the first thing that you wanted to make sure that people could it wanted what was what would be the first change that you would do as an ceo
0: first of all i just like the idea of thinking of myself as ceo i take will just in. like i will just take it in and i'll stay here for seconds. a bit that's a good question of course it depends on the place and then and, and uh, the people and all that stuff there is one thing what i generally do believe in and do want to change as soon as possible and i know that there has been some rumor going on that things will be changing at, at least in the scandinavia the scandinavia it's the working hours meaning 8 hour working day this is not because i'm a fan of tim ferriss or anything because he's a cool guy but I haven't read your book, sorry, Tim. But I I cannot really grasp the idea of eight hours as a functional working day. Maybe it's the stuff that I do. Maybe it's my own problem. But it feels so unproductive. I'm a person who can, I think, I can do the stuff that I need to do pretty quickly. But if I lose fo- focus, and it usually happens after five, six hours, there is no way I can do those three two three hours very well it just isn't unless it's a very monotone kind of no brain work which sometimes happens but eight hours that's a lot
1: but you wouldn't go as far as tim ferris four hour work week
0: oh is that his thing
1: that's his oh thing.
0: sorry that i referred to you tim that's bullshit no uh four hour day that's fine i would say five hour day is fine five hour yeah. day is totally fine you can do a lot in five hours if you plan your stuff right so that's important to stay productive. And I think a lot of times because of those eight hours, that's why we become these lazy beings at work who are kind of like just going around and, and uh, or overworking. Because eight hours of crazy focus work, that's overwork. That's also not good for you. So both of those extremes are bad. And then I think we just need something like six hours. I mean, that they're talking about that, right? They are. Yeah. In Denmark as well?
1: Also in Denmark, they are... Mm. You will Thinking probably be first it. ones, guys. I know that Sweden has uh, done some 30-hour uh, work week uh, initiatives. Uh,
0: some companies do, I think, already.
1: So salute to you guys.
0: Maybe I should apply to those.
1: I think the one important thing of having such a short work day is coordination, as you say. Mm. So it's not only about working less. I think it's also about working better because yes. you also work less. And that needs some kind of coordination. coordination. Mm. I also want to check in. Is that okay? Please do. Thank you very much. I think for me, the easiest and most valuable thing that I would set in motion is creating a structure for how to start and end projects. At mm. Hyper Island, the school that that Eddie talked about, we do a we do a process called Point of Departure, mm. where we talk about within the team our strengths and weaknesses milestones how do we want to work how do we want to communicate how will we handle conflict all of the things that just is super super valuable to know in order to work efficiently together
0: it's like setting up the project on the right direction and with the right expectation that everyone's on the on the same page as we like to say
1: and this is not about creating a project plan
0: no 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 no
1: it's about creating an effective team creating trust and knowing how we will work but then also when we end projects learn from those through reflections and wrap-ups i feel like especially here at my work i can say that we are not good enough at stopping uh, for a couple of hours after a project and say all right guys let's sit down and talk about what actually went good and what could have been improved and how can we learn from those experiences in and put them into our next projects. feels like the easiest and most undervalued thing that you can do. And I don't understand why people don't do it more.
0: I think most companies actually don't. Companies don't do it. And also those who I know from talking to people who work at these, now I'll talk more about agencies and people who work maybe with that kind of projects, is like digital agency, design agency, that kind of thing even those who say that it's part of their process, 50% of the time don't do it. Exactly. And it is, it is as you say, very strange. <laughs> because on one hand, it's probably the easiest thing to sell in to show someone else a value in that this is really good because we all did some kind of like stupid thing during this project. Let's learn from that how to not lose money afterwards. From a business point of view, it's very good to sit down for an hour. But yeah, those things really don't happen and sad.
1: Super sad. It's
0: super sad. <laughs> so that's tip
1: number one from today. Already. These we-
0: tips come up earlier and earlier. Yeah. Next time we're like, hello, this is tip. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, change in the organization, driving change in the organization, that sounds really good. If I had never heard about that, how would you explain what does driving a change in the organization is? Because it can... It can sound very fluffy.
1: I think it's about creating the kind of environment that you want to be in, whether that is how you work or how you sit or how you talk or whatever you do at work and actually doing something about it. It's about leading that change. And um, that can be hard. I mean, Mm. structures are so hard to change and challenge.
0: Yeah, yeah crushing old narratives do you have any examples
1: i do have an example um when i started at my current job i uh, i didn't feel like i got any onboarding whatsoever Mm. Uh, and onboarding is of course the first couple of weeks uh, at your job where you will most likely if it's well organized uh, meet all the people in the organization you will learn why the company exists, how you earn money, how you work. Maybe you learn something about some projects that you've done before. Maybe you'll get a mentor. Mm. Maybe you'll set up a development plan that we talked about before. Mm. All of these things to get you into the role and the organization as fast as possible. I didn't feel like I got that at all.
0: It feels like that's a thing that most of the millennials would like uh, as an onboarding experience. I'm part of this team now, I'm having this momentum, I'm having, again, that energy to like put into that moment would be nice to use it wisely and to learn a lot of stuff in the first few weeks, right? Yeah. But yeah, very few, very few really do that. I don't think I've ever had any onboarding, to be honest. No, in my waitressing job, that was the best onboarding, I think. You have to do that, then it doesn't really work if you don't. No, but but I think uh, it
1: is super important and it is the first impression that you get from your work. Especially if you come with a lot of drive and a lot of energy and then you just felt like it can be easy to feel neglected or not really appreciated if there is no onboarding. Mm. So one of the things that I did three months after I got hired is that I saw that there was still no onboarding. And I just saw more and more people getting into the organization without no onboarding. And And I was like, "Enough!" enough is enough. I mean, it doesn't have to be the best onboarding in all of Scandinavia. We just need to have something at least. So I put together a team of, um, we were about five or six people and we sat down for a couple of hours, um, thought about what is the most important things that we need in an onboarding process, delegated the work. And then within the three weeks, we had the uh, a website up and running with all the things that you need to know about the organization and FNQ, FAQ part and all these kind of things, just like what's the... Uh, how does um, food work here, mm. and like all the these kind of things, the, uh, co- the coffee machine, mm. all these kind of things, um, but also a uh, buddy system. So you will be um, given a uh, a buddy mm. uh, that you can ask all the stupid questions that. You might have when you like
0: how does the coffee machine
1: work? like how does the coffee machine work yeah. and uh, i lost my key last week what do i do and <laughs> these kind of things
0: true story true story
1: so um but that's that, great that's some of the things that that i've done that i'm uh that i'm yeah super happy with
0: it's a great example of how because you work in quite a big company it's like what 60 around 60 ish people here yeah. it's it's a big company. It's a lot of people around. It's a lot of people who you could also be scared and not go up to and be like, hey, hey, let's change the way we do things here. I'm the new guy. Um, it's super difficult and super cool that you did that. When you wanted to do it, did you go to the manager or who did you go to to like get the permission to do it? Did you need permission?
1: I don't know. I didn't ask for one.
0: <laughs> but that's also a point. Yeah. You didn't ask for one. No. And it still worked out fine.
1: Yeah. I think we will get back to that, but I don't necessarily think that a management buy in is necessary for leading change. But what about you, Eddie? What well, have now, you, done?
0: you know, I haven't created a website for onboarding <laughs> for anyone. I didn't actually <laughs> create
1: the website, someone <laughs> else did.
0: But uh, what I have done is. What I wanted to do in my uh, most recent job, because I very early understood that the information doesn't really circulate well. And if I don't ask everyone, what exactly do you do? No one will tell me, you know, I will need to learn this through a year of hard work. So what I did, uh, still I needed a year of hard work because you kind of talk about, talk out everything in an hour. But I did sit down. With every single person, and this is a small company; it's like a, around ten people. Uh, with every single person, and just interviewed them for a week, uh, for a week, for a week. Just that's a long down. interview. Oof, we had such a good time. Um,
1: you must do a lot of different things for you to interview <laughs> them for a week.
0: And your favorite color when you were twelve? <laughs> no, we sat down for uh, for an hour. It gave me so much to know about where did my colleagues went to school, what did they study there, uh, what did they like at work, what did they don't like, what did they want to work with. Because I was also partially employed because of the this change aspect that like I could be someone who stirs things up a bit. So there was one thing, and just the fact that I did that sometimes, I think you don't need to drive a global change in the company or that it affects everyone if it affects you if it makes your daily work life a bit better that's already changed that's pretty good that's the thing in my experience when it comes to change the process actually tells where where the problems are when you feel that this isn't really working or that people are zoning off because we're doing this meeting for one hour and a half and after one hour no one has focus, maybe then we have to change something. That happened with our Monday meetings, let's say. We had to like create a bit of a different process of how to run them because they were just too long and without a good reason. And just seeing that and taking it up, picking it up and like changing that, thats those are small things but they work.
1: I think that one should always go for small change, actually. Change in itself is hard mm. and by doing big change it's gonna be even harder <laughs> so i mean
0: don't make it difficult for don't yourself. make
1: it more difficult than that it needs to be and mm. sometimes small changes can do can have a big an effect just by removing one thing and adding the feeling mm. i would imagine that you create a a much bigger bond
0: the small things is also something what you most probably can uh, change fast Make others see that you're doing something differently. And also when it comes to this big change and maybe kind of a next big topic is the big change is really for the the big guns. So let your CEO and the manager level people drive the big change. Of course, you can affect it, but at the end of the day, they will be probably those who will drive that kind of change.
1: And it's also easier to change small change it's gonna be big <laughs> meta but you know it's easier to test something very small mm. and see this this does does this work is this uh, better or worse <music> but when it comes to getting buy-in from management team mm. what are your thoughts on that
0: You mean how difficult it is or how to do it?
1: More like if it is necessary or not. And should you start with going to the managers and say, I want to change these things? Mm. Or is it better just to find some colleagues that maybe want to do the same thing and then just start there and then see how it evolves?
0: I think it's the old principle of show no tell, show not tell, show don't tell. There it is. That's the one if you can show that there's already those small things that you've done, some some things that you have tested on, maybe just your team, maybe three people, it, re- it worked really well there and how can we make it into a bigger thing, that that is the way to go, I think. Going to a boss and asking for, okay, I want to completely change our process, six-day working week, no, six-hour working day, <laughs> and and all of those things, yeah, that will be tricky. But if you have something in your, so to say, portfolio, change portfolio already, and Ooh, you can that's... change portfolio, Okay, you you heard it here first. <laughs> if you can share those things with your with your boss and show the value that this actually worked. This is something that I piloted on a few people. So much more power in that and so much easier to give you not only money, but like time. What if your boss gives you the day to work on that because it's like so amazing and it could create such a value for the company?
1: I feel like that's something that I want to do more of. I thought a lot about that. Over the last couple of months, I feel like I have a tendency to talk about things that I have not done yet and then still get credit for it
0: mm, like this podcast
1: <laughs> like this podcast, nobody, for instance, i didn't say to anyone that i'm was thinking of doing this podcast with mm. you because I really wanted to like say yes i've done this podcast mm. it exists. I feel like sometimes i'm I'm too fast to get acknowledgement for things that I have not done yet. It's its, it's false uh, pat on the shoulder. Mm. Uh, you haven't done anything. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, um, it's the same with, uh, with change in, in organizations. It's much more fun to come to your boss or your manager or your mentor or your colleague or whoever it is mm. and say, hey, I've done this. It created these results. Mm. You want to do more of it instead of just saying, hey, I have this idea. Do you want to do more of it? And if you fail, you don't have to share it with your manager. (laughs) So tip number two, just start things.
0: Just do small things. Start small. Grow big.
1: To link a bit to what we talked about, getting management in early on the process versus getting a few people rallying the troops, so to say, I think there's pros and cons in those two. I think that for some change, you need management, approval, and buy-in. That could be if you need a specific amount of money to do this or if you need to change specific processes where you need to have um, management on board. But or you need mo-
0: everyone involved, for example. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm. But I think for most things, it's much easier to start with finding someone who cares about it as much as you do and then start the change... Uh, amongst you Mm. so yeah i would definitely find some people and start there instead of going straight to management i i did that once (laughs) uh, where i just ran straight into the wall i invited our top three like the three top people in our organization who
0: don't probably have a lot of time to spare they don't have a lot of time to spare
1: i was Approximately a month into my, uh, my work. <laughs> and I had like the perfect plan for this is what we need to change. <laughs> and I just went in there. It was four o'clock on a Friday afternoon.
0: Perfect time for change. Perfect
1: time for saying, all right, guys, I'm going to do something <laughs> completely different.
0: <laughs> Listen to me now for two hours.
1: And it just went to shit.
0: But were they like... This is shit. We will fire you if you continue talking.
1: It was more like, it was more like, you go ahead, whatever.
0: But they gave you freedom then.
1: First of all, maybe this is also a bad story (laughs) to share. But it's more like the whole planning around the workshop. It was my first real meeting with these three people, so I packed in. Two hours of stuff and workshops and check ins and all these kind of things. Did you have
0: energizers?
1: I have energizers, I have like trust builders, I have (laughs) sharing sessions, I have reflection, I have everything in there in a one hour session on a Friday, four o'clock afternoon, where I've been told they had a shit week. So it just, I went in there with 100% energy. And after 15 minutes, I just went down to 20%. Mm-hmm. So that was a tough one. My key takeaway from that experience was that I don't need management to hold my hand or approve something for me mm-hmm. to actually pursue change. And it's actually much easier just to do it without them.
0: I want to hear your thoughts on the people who who are the everyday bosses and how much of the change can they lead? How much is in there is upon them to, to drive any kind of change in organization? Because I have very strong feelings about that.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, you and I both got brainwashed over the last two years mm. at Hyper Island, this creative business school mm. that we talked about that has a mantra that says lead the change.
0: Yeah. Cause we all can do that. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a good mantra. It pumps you, it makes you think that everything's possible and you go out, you have all of that energy and that can bring you places. That's really good. On the other hand, then you usually what happens is that you get in a place and you're like, oh, okay, so this is how it works. No change driving here. Exactly. And uh, that can become difficult.
1: It can be hard to come from an environment where everything is possible and then into an environment where there is a lot of structure and a lot of hierarchy. and
0: Exactly. So it's nice also to learn about that, I think. In my experience, it's. I feel like I have learned both parts. Part which is all unicorns and rainbows and everything's possible. And this is how change looks. And in the perfect world, we would work like this. And then there's other part which is going in the company, actually working for one where you are kind of supposed to drive the change. But then also think about the money aspects and the time aspects and the resource aspects and be like, can we actually do all of these things that I feel that we want to do? Then okay, no, we cannot. So how can we still do them? But without all of those things, it's difficult. And then also the the CEO role, that is a there's a big aspect of that. I personally feel like as much as we talk about how we can how we can drive change and how small things matter but at the end of the day i do believe that the real change happens from the top
1: yeah i agree i and even though it hurts me hurts my soul and my my naive mindset uh, that everyone can lead change at the end of the day people look one way and that's Mm. towards the top i think that i thought that in general people would have a bigger impact from the floor. But I realized that the real change and the real culture setting happens from top.
0: Because I think you can say whatever you want about flat organizations and here we have no hierarchy. And especially here in Sweden, we love to think like that, that uh, we are hierarchy free. But at the end of the day, I think how it works in our brains is still... It's still the hierarchical way. If m- my boss is responsible for my income, I will obviously look upon him and do things that he or she likes and appreciates. And it's that's just the way it is. And that's why we do look up and that's why we, so, we get so affected by them. So I think it's very natural that they're really at the end of the day the only ones who can do anything different.
1: Yeah. But I also think it's... I th- I think that CEOs undervalue the power that small behavioral changes can do. Mm. I think that the CEO can really lead the change. And it doesn't necessarily have to be big things. That could be something like doing the dishes or emptying the, the dishwasher or going out with the trash or giving positive feedback or... Mm sharing something personal from their life
0: walking around and talking with people yeah and remembering facts about their lives yeah. that's a pretty good one yeah yeah
1: and i think we all had that or at least i have had one of these experience where uh senior people or someone from a leadership position has re- remembered something that i said it feels great to be seen and heard in that kind of Absolutely. sense
0: Absolutely. and talking about a whole hierarchy thing for example i was uh, leading a workshop recently for this uh, for this company, and I was so surprised how smooth it went, how much on the same page they were. Without, by the way, talking about these things beforehand, and at the end of the day, what I understood what was the reason was that it was the the own the main manager and the owner. They were the kind of owners who were on the floor. They were the it was a it was a conference center. So there's a lot of like breakfast buffet and talking to people and being nice to everyone even if they're a bit of a dick and all of those things and they were on it they were there from 9 to 8 p.m if needed they were yeah taking out trash and all those things i mean those are really depends on a business obviously but you do what you can to show your team that we're interested in this together and it's exactly. so important exactly they were a flat organization they really were for the first time i saw that it was insane. It
1: And I think that that's some of the things that maybe some of the traditional companies are struggling with, with millennials, because we have this picture of caring leaders and supporting leaders and leaders who lead uh, instead of just direct. If these leaders are not aware of how their own behavior affects other people, then it's very hard for them to change Mm. culture.
0: I guess it's quite a lot in the millennial mindset. Not generalizing too much, but I think a big part of us want to see ourselves as leaders as well. So, what do you do when you have that many leaders at one company, yeah. and you're the leader for them? So, how do you still you need you need to lead that? Uh, and that's bigger... w-
1: that's where the whole uh, just give me the keys to this kingdom, <laughs> and I will run it like a boss. Yeah. I could do it. Uh, better or I could do it uh, with uh, with my left hand. And I think it comes from that like yeah. this feeling of I could do this better mm. or at least I would do it differently. I think it's important also to acknowledge that these CEOs and leaders are in their positions for a specific reason. They are extremely talented whether that is uh, business people or um, makers or developers or whatever their, their specific skill is, there's a reason that they are in the position that they have. I think that it's become more and more important to lead people uh, as a leader um, instead of just being good at your job. And that's where the management role exists. There's one story that I want to share. Uh, and it um, it's a it's a great example of how just a small change of behavior can lead the change or show the kind of culture that you want to support in an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we of course want to have as many people as possible within our organization in the office, because we work as a lot of people with different competences, put Mm. them in a team and in a room, and then they can solve complex problems. Mm. And when you want to have that, you need to have a culture where people show up at work and collaborate. So we have a Slack channel where people can share if they're out of office and uh, if they're at a workshop with a client or whatever it is and the problem with this channel is that it is mainly people on the floor let's say that it's mm. not the management team who who uses this channel mm. uh, to be honest which is a shame because they really want everyone to live this mm. culture and like we're in this together and it's important that everyone knows where people are mm. i mean if there's certain people that's important that we know where are it's the management so I think it's behavior where if they were to check in on that channel every single day when they're not at work, it would just show the way for the rest of the organization. It and doesn't I think
0: take that much time. It, doesn't, it takes no.
1: five seconds. And mm-hmm. I think it's just about really showing the way.
0: I think that's such a classic thing about Slack, where it's like a common sense that we all should put something in this channel when we're... Either when we're ill or when we're taking care of our kids or when we're whatever. Then, of course, there's a few people, mostly the managers who are not doing that. Why aren't you? Especially if it's this kind of company where everyone is working together and you are there at the same same time and same place. One thing about transparency, though, I remember working in this company where it was very, very, not transparent at all, like it was the inform it was kind of like a bit of um a culture of how do you say when you talk behind someone's back like uh that kind of culture, not necessarily talking bad about someone, but it was so much hidden yeah, very, very hidden stuff information had to like you of know, find its mm. way through I hate that it is the most awful thing, and then the boss um started doing these uh, what we call here fika or like um, coffee break uh, things and that was to get the team together like to be you know more happy more friends with each other but at the same time if you're there sitting together with your boss who's completely in, in, untransparent intransparent with you and you haven't really got to that place as a team to talk about anything else than work because you don't know anything about the other person from your company or anyone else there it doesn't really work and those coffee times were actually hell they were so so bad because that wasn't that, that wasn't for bonding that was for torture <laughs>
1: sounds like a horrible uh, family dinner where you have to <laughs> sit with people you don't actually want to talk to like third aunt who's yeah. like racist Ugh. and stuff
0: yeah but one good example though about how a ceo or the the leader can can lead change a lot and for the good i was um i was guest designing uh last december in a company in a design agency called agent smart they're in berlin and um if you google them Or if you find them on Instagram, I have warned you, there's a lot of material. There's a lot of content. There's a lot of content and it'll probably show up on your feed and please don't blame me for that. But anyway, anyways, it's good content and they're really, they're really into that. And if you look at them like as a person who knows this kind of industry, you're like, whoa, that's a lot. But it's kind of also, they know what they're doing. It's a lot, but they're good at that. They're people who enjoy talking to camera. There's... There's this guy who's always there and the guy turns out to be the CEO and the owner of the company. What does that mean to me is when I go there, um, because I've been following them for so long on Instagram, it, I felt like I know I knew everyone. That's one thing. But the other thing was that they were my best friends from the second one because it's that kind of a culture. Mm. They were uh, not only documenting how they are but because of the ceo and the leaders being so insanely open goofy hilarious and not taking themselves seriously it made the culture in the company so easy to fit in not for everyone of course not everyone wants to work in that kind of environment but for me it was so inspirational to see and really the first time when i properly understood that it changes from the top and you as a um, owner as a manager as a ceo really create that kind of culture around you it's it will be how you are and that's scary but it's also there's some power there which is i think a lot of times not really seen or used properly they're
1: know. really leading the way agent smart they're really um they're a cool company yeah um, looks like a, a company that you really want to work at
0: <laughs> But it is having like
1: a, a lot of fun and like people are happy and we like, we still work hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a playground. And or job gets done. F- yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I want to share something, which is where I feel like <laughs> it's my, it's my go-to answer for everything almost. Mm-hmm. It's back to communication and actually open up and talking about these kind of things. Um, and I think especially when it comes to change and you, if you want to change something, you need to create a space where it's okay for people to talk about the things that they want to change. Mm. And that does not happen on a Monday meeting. It's not yeah. a safe environment for people to say, hey, I really don't like how we work or hey, I really want to do these kind of things. So I think creating that space where people can talk about the change that they want to see, uh, which is also something that leaders can be much better at actually creating and say, this is important for us, so let's sit down and talk and I will do something that I normally don't. I will shut up (laughs) and actually just listen and ask questions instead. Uh, One thing that our CEO uh, recently did is doing these walk-in talks, which I think is amazing, where he just goes uh, for 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 a long talk uh, or during lunch, and just talks with people. Yeah. And I think that that's such an easy initiative for him to um, build relationships and uh, hear how people are feeling.
0: And then for the coming from the other perspective, if like if you are a millennial in a workplace, and I think what a lot of we have maybe uh, been faced with is this uh, thing that not everyone will take change that easily. I think. No.
1: I have a great uh, friend and also a mentor of some sort. And he has this, I don't know if he invented it or stole it, uh, but he has this popcorn metaphor when it comes to change. And that is kind of like when you do popcorn, there will always be 10% that is overburnt.
0: A little different. Who got too much.
1: (laughs) Then there will be 80% who are great or like popcorn. And then there will be 10% who are undercooked that never get done. Mm. And that translates to, there are 10 people who will be, or 10% of uh, the people who will be excited about the change. There will be 80% who will be in between or they might want to change. And then there will be 10% who will not change, who Mm. just, they just don't want um, to do things in a new way. And what normally happens is that we tend to focus on the 10% that says, fuck no we are not going to change. Yeah. And then you use all your energy and those people where instead you should, of course, focus on the people who want to change and then, of course, the massive 80% who might want to change. Uh, because even though that our ego will be hurt from not getting everyone on board, uh, I think it's uh, very obvious that in any circumstances there will be people who just won't change. And uh, sometimes you just have to say, all right then don't change then we'll just change without you Mm. i also do it a lot when i do workshops that there are just some people who are like (laughs) who the hell is this guy and who is he to tell me anything about anything
0: that's what they are thinking that's That's what what they're thinking Uh,
1: and sometimes you just have to say all right Mm. that's totally fine
0: this really reminds me of school time like or like high school I was this uh, girl who was like the organizer and, you know, managing the class in different ways and that, that annoying girl. And that was, you know, it's always the the answer that you get. It went 80% of the class is like, oh yeah, okay, whatever you say, <laughs> 10%, <That's so> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it doesn't really yeah. get more exciting no. than, in high school, it's <laughs> n-
1: probably more like 90, 95% <laughs> are just like, whatever. <laughs>
0: Your five friends are like, yay! Yeah. And then your like, five enemies are like, boo. Yeah. And it never stops. We thought that school will end. It never fucking ends. Life and is one gonna, fucking big school. Yeah, that's that's sad, but it's true. And that will always be like that. But I guess to summarize it all up, and which goes into this one is that what we talked about before, small things first, small things over big things. And if you're a CEO, just look around. What can you do?
1: And ask for help.
0: Yeah, ask someone to change.
1: If there's one thing that is for certain, then it is that if you are a CEO, people will have ideas for how you can become a better (laughs) CEO.
0: Just ask them. That's
1: a fact. If it's good advice or bad, that's up for you. Mm. But at least ask for it and listen to it. Mm. There will be, no matter what, some certainty of truth in it.
0: Truer words haven't been said, right? Right. Right.
1: Is it time to check out? I think it's time to check out. I think so too. Um, I
0: think you have a question.
1: I do have a question. Today's checkout question is, what actions will you take to drive the change you want at your job or in your life?
0: Okay. As I'm still unemployed (laughs) when we're recording this, I will focus on life, not work. Uh, what can I change? Well, recently, especially now when not really working and not having uh, somewhere to be at at nine o'clock, um, this might sound really boring, but I really need to feel like I'm getting out of the bed, like at once, not snoozing 10 times. I know everyone has this problem and no one wants to hear about it anymore, but I've heard that some people can just get out of the bed because they tell themselves that, I'm getting out of bed. There is no snoozing. That doesn't exist in my world, and I want to. I want to drive that change. I want to drive that change in my household. No snooze.
1: Hashtag no snooze.
0: Yeah, I will follow my activities at hashtag no snooze. Follow the progress. <laughs> <laughs> what are you changing? All
1: right, that was a good one. Thank you. No snoozing. No snoozing. Um, I think that I would like to become better at giving my leader's feedback because i think it is extremely easy for you and me to sit here and point fingers at our Mm -hmm. leaders to say why are you not doing this if we are not telling it to them
0: that is easy
1: so i think i will try to do that more
0: how will you do that
1: that's a good question i was actually thinking about that because i think it is hard to give feedback just on the go
0: We also want to They need to want to receive it. So you kind of need to get them in that zone.
1: Exactly. Maybe written feedback is actually better.
0: I think you should meet them.
1: Yeah, because it also feels like...
0: You can interpret it in so many ways. Yeah, exactly. I agree. The passive-aggressive email thing can be a bit... I think you should do that. Sounds good. Sounds like a good change.
1: Lead the change.
0: Lead the change. Lead the change by subscribing to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. telling your friends, sharing it, wherever... In all the change, organizational, social media, Uh, and obviously follow us at uh, at mill underscore no at work. Yeah, exactly. So, or username no or handle or handle or Instagram handle is at mill underscore at work.
1: And mill is M I L L. Exactly. One thing that maybe we should also mention is that if you like this podcast. Please feel free to reach out, say hi. Yeah, um, we would also love some positive Hands. feedback. Um, if you have any suggestions for how we can improve this, or specific topics that we could talk about, feel also more than free to um, reach out as well. Yes, please. and if you're really glad about or excited about this podcast, then a um, uh, few stars in the the, the iTunes. Uh, rating system
0: it's only five stars there only there five is stars. no other it's, it goes five and up just so you know guys it's, it's like so. uber yeah
1: you can't really give someone a three-star recommendation <laughs> then you're just Suck. <laughs> all right with that we say thank you
0: thank you and goodbye i'm a millennial